people make decisions constantly. In a strong culture, people are always making decisions. Some of them may be wrong, but it, you need to let people make those wrong decisions as long as they're in line with clearly communicated parameters. Your clients are happy. The management and the leadership has free time to focus on the business instead of more lacking and answering questions and dealing with tough employees. The company culture is strong. The accountability is based on common shared goals and values. And you end up with a nimble, responsive and excellent customer service. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Hecken, founder of Michelle Hecken Executive Coaching and a global entrepreneur. Michelle decided to take her 25 years of experience in leading a successful global company and use the proven principles to create a fun and fearless approach to leading beyond the speed of growth for women CEOs who want to lead change in their companies. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Heather. I'm really pleased to be here and thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Oh, it's our pleasure. Can you give our listeners a bit of background about yourself and the global entrepreneur that you are? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I ran a global company for almost 25 years. Um, we had teams working in different countries and different cultures and different time zones globally. And uh, so we had a language translation agency where we actually worked primarily with uh, large law firms and in-house lawyers, large corporations. And um, translations are always very urgent. And so what we did is we basically had our team distributed all across the world across all time zones so that we could service our clients well whenever they they needed a translation. And what we did over that span is we created a really clear decision-making structure in the company to empower people to make decisions quickly when their managers were not available. A lot of our project managers worked from home. So we did remote virtual teams for 20 years, uh, way before the necessity of COVID <laughs> made this important. Um, so we created this process and structure that served us really well and was critical to our growth and also critical in creating a strong culture in a virtual environment. So I've now recently sold my company and I'm focusing on executive coaching for female CEOs who want to lead ahead of the speed of growth. So let's let's dive into this new venture, the executive coaching aspect of your life. And I have a few questions for you. The first one is, why did you gravitate towards this venture after having sold your translations company? What I've learned and what I truly believe is, and I'll get into that a little bit later in more detail, is that as a CEO, if you're doing a great job, you really want to keep your eye on the ball and not in the weeds. As such, your main responsibility becomes being the chief of culture. And mm then your main responsibility is leading your team and coaching your team. I spent a lot of time coaching my executive leadership so that they could then coach 
their direct reports and, you know, build a greatest, as great of a company as we could. So the transition to the executive coaching felt very natural to me because I felt like as a CEO, that's what I had been doing. And I've also gathered a lot of experience through my involvement with entrepreneurs organization. I did an entrepreneurial master's course at MIT and um, the focus really is around the coaching. So I feel that that was a very natural transition for me. That's very interesting. I'm curious to know your thoughts or your experience with companies or CEOs, I guess, of companies where they focus on that coaching and they focus on, you know, mindfully moving from, you know, where they are to where they want to be versus the performance of the companies where maybe that isn't at the forefront of their mind. So you talked about it in in your company and how that that became very central to what you're doing. Have you seen in any other companies where, you know, the difference between people who take on the role and the the responsibility of coaching versus those that don't? In talking to a lot of CEOs globally through entrepreneurs organization, I've, I've met so many of them. One of the things that really sticks out to me is when we experience growth, there's always turbulence. And, and the, the questions that I get asked the most is, how do I change as a CEO? What do I need to do now? I'm used to leading a certain way and now things are changing and, and, you know, people are stressed or they don't know what to do and we're kind of more whacking, you know, trying to give everybody the answers that they need and we're always kind of behind the eight ball. How does my role as a CEO need to change? And one of my responses is always, you need to become the chief of culture. It's so important. I mean, there's countless books being written about that. But the conversation is often around the chief of culture. And then the next conversation that we that comes up is, how do I get people to make decisions in a way that I don't have to be making them? And when we look at that coaching culture and, and really putting the culture first, it really impacts how everybody in the company makes decisions. And when we're trying to prepare for growth, and even when we're in the middle of growth, we have to empower our, our teams to make those decisions. And I think that's the biggest difference where when we don't have that culture in companies or companies that don't have that coaching culture and that focus on um, integration and empowerment of, of teams and employees, they often go two steps forward and one step back, if not two steps forward and two steps back. So let's let's pick up on a on a phrase that you that you used earlier, which was leading beyond the speed of growth. What does that mean? Obviously, we always want to grow. I mean, one of the things that we could talk about is if everything's working and the company is profitable, why do we need to change things? Right. Obviously, if we're not growing, if you're not growing, you're shrinking. Costs go up, customers leave, competition, inflation, whatever it is. If you're not planning for even a small growth, you will end up shrinking. And what happens with growth is it, it creates a lot of turmoil and change and uncertainty. It stretches the team. Um, the team often has more to do until new people are hired. Once more people are hired, they have even more to do because they need to train them. They don't have the answers because there's new questions that are coming up. So it's very different. People end up with more responsibilities that they're not prepared for. So when we know that our goal is growth, even if it's just 10, 15, 20%, then that knowledge tells us that there is change in the air. 
something is going to shift. And in order to prepare for that, I believe it's really critical to empower your employees and it's really an opportunity to check back. Is your culture really clear? Are your Is your vision, mission, and values, are those clear? Is your purpose clear? Are you living and breathing them every day? There are many things we can do consistently that will prepare us for growth so that when we're in the middle of this growth curve, we actually don't do the two steps forward and two steps back. Very interesting. So how does how does a, a CEO who you know who's who's in, empowered? How do they empower their team? How do they lay that foundation? What are the elements they need to do to allow that to happen? Allow me to just paint you um, a little picture of what it looks like when a company is prepared. When we're leading at the head ahead of growth. As we're always growing, we should always be leading this way. Um, And what does that look and feel like? Well, there's frequent and clear communication from the CEO. The team is clear on where the company is going and why, not just we want to grow by 10%. Why do we want to do that? What's the impact for our company? What's the impact for you? What's the impact for our clients and for our role in the market? That way you can you have buy-in from team, everybody's working towards a common goal. People want to contribute. People want to come to work and make a contribution to what they're doing. It makes them feel good. It gives them purpose. And if they don't know where they're going, it's really difficult, especially when things are getting dicey. So having that clarity really empowers your team towards working, towards accomplishing a, a common goal. When you are living this and when you're preparing Um, constantly for growth, as we're always growing, you have the right people in the right seats. They're equipped with the decision-making authority. The team is clear on what to expect from the ride, and they know it may, may get bumpy. That's really important. You know, anything change, you have to give people a heads up and, and let them know what to expect. Yeah. People make decisions constantly. In a strong culture, people are always making decisions. Some of them may be wrong, but you need to let people make those wrong decisions as long as they're in line with clearly communicated parameters. Your clients are happy. The management and the leadership has free time to focus on the business instead of more whacking and answering questions and dealing with stressed employees. The company culture is strong. The accountability is based on common shared goals and values. And you end up with a nimble, responsive, and excellent customer service. We've all been to a hotel where... Something wasn't working in the room. You come out of your room, say your AC is is not working. You meet an employee in the hotel, somewhere in the hallway, you say, hey, by the way, my AC is not working. And that employee says, oh, okay, no problem, uh, miss. What's your room number? Are you going out for the day? Let me take this and let me make sure it's handled for you by the time you come back. That's an empowered employee that can make the decision right there. I've had this happen where it's actually been the lady cleaning the room. That makes oh, me feel good as a client versus, right. oh, well, go down to reception and, you know, hopefully they'll help you. Now I'm thinking, oh, now I have to take an hour and a half out of my day to deal with this where I want to be doing something else. And and that principle of giving people the authority to make decisions quickly really helps the company thrive. So what does that mean for the CEO? I've I've touched on this, the role of the CEO, chief of culture. Great leaders get out of the way and become the coach and steward of culture, constantly assessing where their company is at in in its growth right now and what needs to happen to move forward, constantly looking at that. 
the CEO becomes the chief reminding officer. And I say that the CEO is the chief reminding officer, reminding everybody of why are we doing this? What is our purpose? What is our mission? How do we incorporate our purpose into our everyday decision making. I really like the 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 concept of the CEO being the chief reminding officer um, and where the CEO has done a good job, the CEO and the team, of course, has done a good job of really understanding and, and buying into the mission, vision, values for the organization. Uh, the CEO's job then is to sort of gently nudge the people and remind them that this is what we've, you know, this is why we exist. This is what we've bought into. And let's continue to move the organization forward in alignment with the, those principles. I think that's a really good analogy. Thank you. Um, and, and I think it'll become even more clear when I, I just walk through two exercises that really are useful and beneficial to empowering your team. The first part I want to talk about is four essential questions that should be in the top of mind for everybody in the company and especially the CEO. The CEO makes decisions every day, all the time. Being transparent about how the CEO comes to those decisions will then also inspire the team to do the same thing. So these four questions are inspired by Vern Harnish, who is the founder of Entrepreneurs Organization and author of Rockefeller Habits and Scale Up. And I have used these four questions in my company probably for 15 years. Very powerful question. The first question is, does it benefit the client? We're all in business to serve the client. So some things somebody may ask themselves is, how does it help the client? How does it affect the company's relationship with the client? To really put themselves in the client's shoes, like that example that I just brought up with the hotel. The second question is, does it benefit the company? While we, of course, always want to serve the client, we also are in the business of making money and growing. So it has to benefit the company. As we're asking ourselves that question, okay, the decision is guided by the company's business plan, the mission, vision, and values. What is the relationship with the client? Is the decision I'm about to make profitable? And also taking into account, obviously, the lifetime value of the client, right? It may not be profitable in this particular instance, but it may have a benefit later. The third question is, is it in line with the company's vision, mission, and values? The most critical question, but these questions won't work if not everybody is clear on what the mission, vision, and values are. So that's why it's so critical. Um, They become a gauge for making decisions. They become a gauge for making sure, okay, does, does this reflect the company's purpose? Am I in line with what we're trying to achieve? Is the decision going to contribute to that? And and is it ethical? Of course. The fourth question that ties this all together is, are you willing to be held accountable for your decision? Do you feel confident that your decision ticks all the above boxes? Are you confident that this is the best decision you can make with the information you have right now? And you feel confident that you can back up your decision to management and demonstrate your processes if necessary. So those are the four questions. And if the vision, mission, and value, as well as your business plan, your KPIs, your goals are clear, pretty much anybody in your company can make any decision, provided the answer to all four questions is yes, 
then go ahead and make that decision. And you can do that then without going up the ladder. The important thing is, is just to get people to make the decision. Maybe they're not acting on it. Maybe they need approval, but they need to make the decision because otherwise what it looks like is they're running in the door to their manager and a lot of managers have open door policies. Well, guess what? Your leadership team their eyes are not on the ball. They're just answering questions left, right, and center and making decisions for other people. And it's dangerous because they don't have the insight that the other person has. So we want to get people making decisions confidently and quickly. I think you also want to have the right people making the decisions, right? So like when you gave the example about how, you know, maybe a junior employee is constantly running to the manager. Well, the manager probably has a pretty full plate and needs to make some of his or her own decisions. And so if their eye is constantly off the ball answering, you know, their their junior people's uh, questions, they're then not able to, you know, implement the decisions or make the decisions at their level that they need to. And so this is just, it's just efficient, right? Like in addition to, to everything that you're, that you're saying, it's, it's just getting the right people making, you know, first of all, you get the right people in this, in the right seats, and then you get the right people making the right decisions at the right level for the company. Exactly. The leadership can now do what they're supposed to be doing looking at the next stage of growth, what is happening in the market, rather than yeah. just, this is this is how companies go one or two steps backwards, right? Because they're not moving yeah. forward because the team takes the eye off the ball. And, and the other thing that's really important that it does, it builds trust with the leadership. Yeah. If I have an employee yeah. coming in asking me, oh, the client wants this, what should I do? Versus the employee comes in, the client want, wants this. I think this is a solution. This is why. Can I run with it? Then it's a quick yes, right? Yeah, so absolutely. It, it, it yep. builds that trust also for for the entire team. But I mean, there's always the risk of making a wrong decision, making a mistake. We're all human. And how do we yeah. mitigate that risk for the company? Because some decisions are small, some decisions are big. I'll come to my second favorite part that also we use all the time is called a decision tree. So this is by Susan Scott from her book, Fierce Conversations. Achieving Success in Work and Life, One Conversation at a Time. And this is one of my favorite books. I've read it many times, but more importantly, I've used it. Very, very fantastic book. Susan Scott talks about leaf, branch, trunk, and root decisions. So the leaf decision, obviously, if you picture a tree, if a leaf falls off a tree, okay, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. The tree's not going to die. The company obviously being the tree. Then you have branch decisions. Okay, you know, they're more weighty. They're going to impact the tree a little bit more. But again, the tree will possibly be fine. Then you have your trunk decisions, which are much more critical, right? If somebody comes with an ax at it, you know, you want to make sure that (laughs) that doesn't happen. And then most importantly, you have the root decisions. You know, the roots of the tree give it life. And Susan Scott looked at this and, and she looked at the four decision types, the least branch, trunk, and root decisions. And then she looked at the staff role in each of those decisions and the manager role in each of those decisions. So with the leaf decision, the staff role is to decide and <coughs> act on it. The manager role, the manager is not involved. The manager doesn't need to know about the leaf decision. The branch decisions, the staff role is to decide and act on it but inform the manager so that the manager knows what's going on, okay? So now you've cleared up a lot of time from your leadership team if they don't have to deal with those decisions. 
then obviously right. we come to the trunk decision. The staff who are involved with that trunk decision will decide the course of action, but the manager or the leadership will approve it because obviously if they make a wrong decision, the tree could fall, right? So, yep. but yep. still the staff, notice how the staff is still making the decision because they have all the frontline knowledge. And then you have the root decision where the staff will recommend often work together jointly to come up with, with a solution and then the leadership decides. So team doesn't decide, the leadership decides because these are the roots of the entire operation. So when we pair that with the four essential questions, now if we've answered yes, we're in a decision-making scenario, okay, this is what needs to happen. Yes, it benefits the client. Yes, it benefits the company. Yes, it's in line with our vision, mission, values, and purpose. And yes, I feel happy to take accountability for that because I understand my decision. Now I can say, okay, is this a leaf decision, a branch decision, a trunk, or a root decision? Now I know, can I just make this alone or do I need to get input, right? What are the consequences of my decision? for the company. And it's those two things together are very, very powerful in speeding up the process during growth and empowering your employees and really leading beyond the speed of growth. Yeah, that's really interesting. I have a, a, a related question. I'm just curious about when you, you know, when you talk about the the leaf branch trunk and root level decisions and you're trying to um sort of uh, i'm trying to reconcile that with the in the four questions that you asked the third one being around the company's mission vision and values when the company is either adopting or or maybe reviewing its mission vision and values is that something that it, it seems to me that in the concept in the analogy of the tree that that's pretty fundamental to make sure that you you know, you have not just your employees making up what your mission, vision, values are, but that you have the whole uh, team who's who's on side with it. Because otherwise, you know, your whole tree can can fall apart if um, if you have the wrong you know the wrong things in, in the root. And so I I like the analogy because I think that if you if you sort of you know just to mix metaphors and mix analogies, if you take the concept of the tree and you you say it's really fundamentally important that everybody within your organization understand and buy in to your mission, vision, and values, it sort of, you know, is becoming one of those those things that, that's really grounded within the tree analogy uh, to make sure that, that people can really absorb that and 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 move forward. And and then that's the foundation for, you know, for these steps that you've uh, that you've said. Absolutely, Heather. And if I could take this even what you're saying a bit further, the CEO in a company yeah. where the CEO is the founder, obviously it looks different when the CEO is not the founder of the company, right? But but really yeah. the the roots are, you know, what how big the tree grows, right? That has yeah. to be yeah. a leadership and executive decision. And you know, the the chief reminding officer is basically the CEO walking around making sure that tree is watered. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to explain these analogies. I thought they were great visuals and and people could really understand what you were saying. So thanks so much for joining us. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's always really fun to share something that is is so true for for oneself um, and, and knowing that it's worked. I'm really passionate about this. So thank you for the opportunity to allow me to share that. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.